The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. I'm your host, Yue Shu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host, Julie Kraftchik. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything, from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. We are excited you've joined us for an older episode. While our earlier seasons were all about dating in San Francisco, we quickly realized all the themes and learnings are universal for all daters, so we shifted to covering dating from all around the world as the seasons progress. The fun part is, things happen first in San Francisco, the tech epicenter and counterculture capital of the world. We love for you to keep tuning in to our older episodes, but there is no set order to listen in, so feel free to jump to more recent seasons or relevant episodes for you. Enjoy the show. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. This episode of Datable is brought to you by Scoot. You can explore San Francisco on electric scooters and have the best first date of your life. Datable listeners get a special deal. Sign up for $10 and get three hours of scooting. Sign up at scoot.co forward slash dateable or use the code hotdate. 
Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show that opens up a candid conversation about dating in San Francisco. And that voice that sounds tired but is still fighting strong is my wonderful, beautiful co-host, UA. And that nice, young, refreshed, not tired voice comes from Michael Vargas. So on each episode, we dissect a dating story. Today, I was told that we have sort of a deeper dating story. We haven't really done deep stories yet, right, Michael? Not yet, but we're about to jump in eight feet deep. Whoa. All right. We have Kaden on the line. Kaden, you there? Hi, everyone. How are you guys doing? Uh, We're good. What is your story? So last year, um, I was on OkCupid, as sometimes... I do, and I <laughs> met, met a girl, and um, everything was great in the beginning. We went on our first date, and it was like magic from day one, you know, where everything's hit off. She wanted the same things. I wanted the same things. We were both very attracted to each other. Um, she was mature. I mean, on our first date, I, I, I went down to South Bay to see a season sorry show, and she pulled up. In a Tesla. Ooh, I am a big fan of Teslas. I already like her. That's hot. And, and, ex- and I was, I was like, wow, okay, this is, this is on, this is real. And you know, <laughs> we had sparks from the beginning. Like, our, I think it was the fastest I've ever kissed someone. We met, and forty-five minutes later, we had our first kiss. Wow. And then we weren't drunk or anything. It was just, you know, the connection was there. So we started the date, and you know, things were great, and then. I started noticing um, we were in a, at a party one time, and you know I think. Hold on, but before you go on, how how long were you guys seeing each other before this party? I think it'd been a month. Okay. It'd been a month. So I think in, in in social circles in general, drinking is obviously a part of the conversation, right? You go out, you go to happy hour, you go out on a date, you go drink, and and you know I am been known to enjoy. So where the real story starts is um, I, have a, I have a daughter, and on my birthday, I decided – this is two months in now, mm-hmm. and we had had this great relationship. I mean, everything was going good. I mean, I'd noticed a couple things with these red flags, and I just – you know, I think when you're excited about someone, you, like, you brush them over for whatever reason. Right. But she meets my daughter, and no one's met my daughter in five years. I'm very protective, um, you know. It's important to me, right, that you Absolutely. only at the right time. Um, I don't want people coming in and out of her life. But I had this birthday party. It was a Mad Men picnic at Fort Mason. Everyone was dressed up. Everyone was having a good time. We're all having a good time. And, you know, obviously, again, it's my birthday, so I'm drinking. Um, but towards the end of the evening, I realized that she's gotten a little drunk. And on the way home, we're dropping off my daughter and she gets thick and throws up in the car. My date. And I was such in shock. I was like, oh, my God, what is, what is going on here? But I was just so – I had never had this happen. I've never gotten sick in front of my kid. None of my friends ever have. You know, it's, it's – I didn't know how to handle it. And I think I was just so in shock. And so we come home after we had dropped my daughter off, and I – Mistakenly, now I've learned my lesson. I try to argue with a drunk person. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah, and and I was like, hey, you know, that wasn't 
cool at all that was totally uncalled for and immature. Like, I didn't appreciate that at all. And she, and she got very upset. And it was, it was the actual day of my birthday. And she said to me, you know, this is not going to work. You can't judge me. I'm breaking up with you. Okay. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute. What, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Like, you're not breaking up with me on my birthday, first of all. We're both drunk, so let's not maybe make any hasty decisions. Let's sleep on it. We'll figure it out the next day. Whatever happened, I, again, stupidly, probably foolishly in hindsight, let it go. Because everything else matched up so well. We had a future that we talked about. You know, she wanted kids. I wanted kids. She was ambitious. I was ambitious. You know, everything lined up so well. And I was just thought it was maybe it was a one-time thing, right? So then I'm going to this wedding in Italy. My friends are getting married. Um, and because it was a long vacation, like two weeks, and we were going to this romantic place, I invited her. I said, do you want to go? And at first she was like, I don't know, it's pretty early. I said, you're right, it is pretty early, but I'm also going to like Sweden and Italy and Greece. She's like, yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. So she came. So it started off great. Everything was great. What? what how far relationship are you guys now at? We're, we're at three months. Wow, that is pretty early. So noticing a pattern every month, something interesting happens. Okay, keep going. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, I wasn't noticing the pattern because I think I was head over heels in love, you know. Um, at this point, we had said we loved each other, you know, and I, wow. I was bashful about it. Um, you know, I was thinking this is the person I might have a future with, right? So we go to this wedding in Italy, and it is the thing that I think people dream about. We're in the Amalfi Coast in this town that's looking over the water. We're at this hotel that got rated number one hotel in, by Travel and Leisure last year. I mean, it is – the reception is, like, overlooking the ocean, and we get to it, and I notice there's a reflecting pool, like an infinity pool. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're with my, you know – there's 40 of my SF friends there. And you know, look, my friends party. We know how to have a good time. And obviously, it's a wedding. People are going to party. We're literally living the dream at this point, right? We're in Italy um, having what I'm thinking is the night of my life, right? This is fantastic. And what could be more romantic than taking a girl to Italy to a wedding like this, right? Right. And at some point, she says to me, hey, do you want to get in? I turn around and to take my shoes off. When I turn back, she's fallen in the pool. With Fallen? all her, you know, like, wedding gear on. Was she wasted at that time? I mean, I, it's fair to say that most people were pretty drunk at this point. You know? <laughs> uh -huh. I, I'm pretty sure even, like, the priest was drunk. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you know, it was, it was like, late the, in the night. The holy wine, of course, right? Of course, of course. And, I mean, we were on the roof of a hotel in the, at a pool in the Mafia. I mean, like, you know, life was just fantastic for a moment, right? Take off my clothes. I jump in the water. And because quickly we, all, we both realized... Even though she can swim, because she's wearing, like, a wedding-type gown, it's dragging her down. All the guys are like, why not? We'll jump in. So all my bros take off their clothes, jump in the water. We're all having a good time. But my date at this point is kind of thinking that she can swim, even though I'm having to hold her up. And I say, look, you got to get out of the water. This is not going to work. And, and we're walking back to our hotel. We're, like, dripping wet. You know, the wedding's over. It's Playtime is over, you know. And we get back to the room, and I say... Again, foolishly trying to argue with a drunk person. And I said, hey, that's not really that cool. Like, you know, my friends are awesome, but, like, it, it's a wedding. That's not the kind of thing that we should be doing. They'll understand. They'll get it. But, like, 
everyone was worried. Again, she gets really upset and and starts blaming things on me. And I'm very confused by this point because, you know, look, I've dated this. I've made my share of mistakes. I've done some stupid things, you know. Um, but really, I honestly felt like, hey, I didn't do anything wrong here. But again, we get in this argument where, and she goes, you know what? I'm breaking up with you. I'm leaving. I'm making a flight back. And I'm like, are you? Wait a minute. What's going on? This is you're you're telling me we're in Italy. We're at this wedding. We're at this beautiful place. You get drunk and fall in the pool, and you're breaking up with me. Like I'm very confused. I just I didn't quite get it. Eventually, like we had this you know one of those long drunk arguments, and we both go to that angry, which is not fun. We wake up in the morning and we we try to resolve it. And the next day is her birthday. We're flying to Greece. And I didn't want to break up, and and I said to her, you know, like those kind of statements are not really fair. They're just, but at this point, I didn't know what to do. I was like, my my, I was lost, obviously. So we get to Greece, and um, we have this night. Uh, it's her birthday. It's perfect. We're at the Acropolis. I invite some. Of her, she runs in some, some of her friends that were happen to be traveling there. I run in some of my friends. We have this beautiful birthday dinner, and. Uh, again, there's drinking involved, um, and which I think was probably the big moral point of the story. Um, but some some guy at this restaurant hits on her, like goes. She's in the bathroom and he tries to kiss her. And so when we are on the cab home, she and she's like very visibly upset. I'm like, hey, is everything okay? She goes. That guy tried to make out with me. And I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That's, like, ridiculous. You want me to say anything? She's like, no, no. But she's very upset. I'm like, well, you want me to do it? She's like, no, but, you know, these are the kind of friends you hang out with. But eventually we get in this huge argument, and she says, I'm breaking up with you. And at that point, after hearing it three times, I said, you know what? You should go because you're not happy here, and I'm not happy now. And if this is how you want to have conversations by having ultimatums, clearly we don't have a future as a couple. So we went, we went to bed. I went to bed. Uh, the next day, we were supposed to fly to Santorini. I had booked us this romantic um, clifftop room with a hot tub in the room at Santorini. What? Yeah. Nice. And I wake up. She wakes me up at like 5.30 and she goes, I bought the tickets home. I'm like, oh, you bought the tickets Shit. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. Uh, and I'm like, barely have my clothes on, barely half awake, and she leaves. And I got to be honest, I was heartbroken. I... I even though I knew it wasn't my fault necessarily, I felt like I had messed up. Because, you know, I think finding a partner is obviously very hard to do, and finding someone you have connection with is really hard to do, and anytime you lose someone. But I was like, you know, I was in a, I was in a daze. I had to cancel my flight to Santorini. Um, I luckily emailed Airbnb. I actually said, hey, my girlfriend broke up with me, and they refunded me the money, which is super nice of them. Oh, you, know, you, just, you just gave a little plug for Airbnb. Nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't expect that at all, but it just, I felt like I had really messed up, you know? Where do you think you messed up? So in hindsight, I think the real thing is, is how do you, when you're attracted to someone, when you feel the connection is there, what do you do when you see red flags? Because I think it happens a lot, that when you're attracted to someone, you rationalize everything. And while, you know, no one's accusing anyone of being an alcoholic, I don't think it's that far, I think Drinking especially, not that I think anything's wrong with drinking. I I still enjoy drinking. I still think it's one of those things socially, it's a socially accepted drug. And it, it does have consequences. And I think also when it comes to relationships, whether it's drinking or what, your mind's altered and you start 
saying and doing things you normally wouldn't say or do. Did you talk to her at all while you were sober about the things that were bothering you? In hindsight, I want to say I, I think I tried to. I think the honest answer is I was probably scared because I, I probably knew I would lose her if we actually had that conversation. From what I'm hearing, and I may be way off, yeah. but it, it kind of sounds like she was looking for a way out as opposed to looking a way to stay together. Yeah, okay. No, I think you're totally right. How does it feel to hear that? Like, do you mean like sabotaging? I mean, maybe just looking looking for ways out of the relationship as opposed to looking to really work to make sure it stays together. I think you have these conversations when you're with someone. And for me, when you have a conversation about the future with someone, like, hey, where do you want to live? How many kids do you want to have? You know, what kind of love do you expect to have? Like, you know, how do you feel about family? To me, when you have those conversations with people, I start feeling like, oh, this is a real thing. This is not like, uh, you know, we're just dating. And I think while you might be right, I, it sounds like you're right in that she was sabotaging and trying to get out. I was rationalizing it like, I don't know what I was doing, honestly. I don't think she was trying to get out at all. I actually just think that you guys were trying to force something that wasn't there yet. And I think when you don't have a strong foundation yet you have these ideas of what the future look like, you kind of f refocus on something that didn't really matter yet. But I totally agree with you that when, you're, when you feel this connection with someone, when you see a future with them, when you're so attracted to them, even these, these, th these issues that don't sit well, you're able to just kind of brush them off and say, you know, this is just a one-time deal, or this is something I can tolerate, this is something I can accept. Like, connections like these don't come around that often. It's so rare. So when you have one, you're like, no, 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 no. No, this is the right person for me. I mean, I, I, I haven't felt this way in so long. That one little thing, this is a little thing. It's not a red flag at all. I mean, I, I do think love is a drug. I do know there's all these... It's a hell of a drug. It's a hell of a drug. It's a great drug, but it's... I think it's one of those things where, like, you get into it, and like you said, you ignore these things because you're feeling this high. Right. And it's it's I don't want to blame any one person for that, because I think I have my own choices in saying, like, hey, I could have walked, you know, or I could have had that conversation at a time that was appropriate. I do think it's there. there's something in, in in the genders where, you know, a lot of times you hear a girl saying that guy was an, a jerk. He was an asshole. And I had to like confront him about it. And like, I think when you're a guy, you, you want to find a balance between how to bring up something with a woman but have it still be respected, you know? And, like, mm -hmm. it, I, there's a tricky way to do it. I, I, or maybe I just don't know the right way to do it yet. Are right? you talking about having a hard conversation in a real way? I, I get it because I think I'm trying to put myself in her shoes, and I'm thinking maybe the way you approached your confrontation with her may have come off condescending. If I were in that situation, I probably would have thought, okay, I'm never going to live up to this person that he wants me to be. So I might as well just remove myself from the situation now. He obviously wants me to be someone that I'm not. So, so you, you think there was a lot of high expectations? I don't think it's high expectations, but I bet some of the ways that you, Katen, that you said, you know, com confronted her was like, you know, maybe that wasn't so cool or maybe you shouldn't have done that. And that could translate to someone who is intoxicated, who is also in love, to be like, oh my gosh, he's, he's just 
belittling me right now, telling me that this is not someone that he wants to be with. So I might as well just leave because I'm never going to be that person. I would also say that, you know, there's a, there's a certain way that we have to approach people and deliver our thoughts. And I've had to learn through the hard way. And we've all had to learn how to communicate these things. And one of the ways is what you did actually hurt me or scared me versus, you know, what you did was not so cool. Or like, you know, my friends would have thought that wasn't so cool. It's more like how you made me feel, why that directly affects me should matter to you. No, she brought this up. And I think I've heard a term called like love language where it's like, yeah, like, it's like, how do you argue in a productive way with someone? Yeah. What you're saying is what, where you get off what's off your chest, you're not judging, right? But clearly you're upset and you say it. I think that's a skill that's I obviously don't have yet. And I'd love to grow better at, but like. And I think that's a, a skill that a lot of people have a hard time with. And going back to what UA said, it's you first start off with I statements, right? That's the beginning of it. I this, I that, because it brings it to me, right? So the going from you, which puts it on the other person, to I brings it on to me, and then you gotta be a little vulnerable, which is hard for people. I mean, I've gone through where I was like, no, I'm fine, it doesn't matter, but right. I, I feel disappointed, I feel hurt, I feel, um, I feel angry, I feel upset, I feel frustrated, I feel, I feel ignored. I, I want to know, how did this end? Did did this relationship just end there? I mean, she she went back to the States, and I had a few days left before my flight, which was four probably most depressing days ever. Um, oh. and, and I was like a lost puppy. But, you know, well, you, the interesting part is I came back to the States, um, and a week later I get in a bike accident and break my arm and my wrist. Oh. Oh. And I got to say, it was probably actually what saved me, though, because I think after a breakup like this, my typical usage would have been to go out and party and get drunk and do stupid things. But because I was injured, it forced me to slow down. Mm -hmm. And I spent the next few months really kind of asking myself, like, what went wrong here? And we talked a little bit, and then and I said, you know, I really can't have this in my life. And I think two months later, she got married. Wow. Um, and I think your point of how she wanted out, I think, is very true because I think I didn't realize till this later, but I think I was a rebound, um, which I've never been a rebound. Well, you never think you're the rebound. Nobody ever thinks they're the rebound. And when someone has this conversation with you about your future, you're like, yeah, this is real, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's this thing I've read about called future fakers, and it's, it's this concept of, like, people talk this big game about a relationship and where they want it to go. And while they might realistically want that their ability to make that happen might not be matching up with it and i feel like that bit is what that is kind of what happened where like i might have future fake myself i could have i i might have predicted and said yes this is the right person for me in the future when really i didn't take a look at the president and said wait a minute what's going on here and you know what man i gotta give you extreme credit because you did something that a lot of guys don't do and i've been i've had that mistake in the past where after after like a breakup after someone really hurts you um you took the time to heal you took the time to actually feel what a lot of people do is after they feel after they had something that's so painful they want to throw themselves into something they want to get distracted so that they don't feel it in the present and what you did 
was allow yourself to feel it. I remember uh, I dated this girl for two and a half years, and she ended up breaking up with me, and it was uh, it was the first person that ever broke my heart. That was my first heartbreak. And the what I did was I started dating a stripper right afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. I mean, she was a very kind, lovely person, by the way. But don't do it, right? right. I, and it took a longer time to heal because of that. Caden's saying that he was forced to do it because he got in that accident. And I, but I think that's that perfect was, timing. Yeah, it's perfect timing. Honestly, yeah, it sucked to get in a bike accident. It sucks to be injured. But honestly, like, I know my patterns. I know when I've had bad breakups. Yeah, I will. I mean, you know, I haven't dated a stripper necessarily, but like, hey, I've made not yet. <laughs> I've made some terrible choices after a breakup. I mean, I think we all do, right? We all want to find a way to heal. Maybe not the smart way, but you know, I. I do think as you get older, because I'm older now, I'm not in my 20s anymore, obviously, but like, I don't know if there's like solutions out there that says, this is how you argue with someone. Or, or when you're so early with someone, how do you even broach the topic? Like, hey, if we do get in an argument, this is how we should proceed. Like, I think. Yeah, I think that's a great idea to set guidelines. And I don't think a lot of people do that where they say, listen, there might be times when we're talking and I might need to just step away for like 10 minutes. Right. Right. Or listen, you know, maybe we could talk about it for an hour and then rest on it or make sure we don't go to bed angry. Like you said, like that sucks going to bed angry, right? So yeah, no. I think I think it's hard to set those guidelines from the beginning. But once you do start talking a little bit more, you can set that a lot earlier than what other people think. And it shows that, at least I believe it shows that you're showing appreciation for having a conversation to work on the relationship. So setting guidelines and boundaries from the beginning, I think, is something that's really helpful. And it sets the tone for the rest of the relationship. I, I find it interesting that you're bringing this up because, you know, you're a father. You're, you ha you're a father to a teenage daughter. You're a grown-ass man, yet you don't know how to communicate. I mean, this is like, this is a fundamental problem in society today where we don't learn communication skills ever. It's not part of our coursework. It's not part of society. And then we're, we're thrown into these relationships where we fall in love. Sure, it's easy to fall in love. We, can, we know what it's like to fall in love. But then we don't know how to communicate with, the, with that person that we love. So that, this is a problem, right? We get ourselves in, into these funky situations and we're like, how do I, how, like, there's no guidebook. You know, you can't, like, take a course on communication with your loved one. They have sex ed, but they don't have, like, relationship ed. They don't. And that's what's lacking. That's what we need to do. I mean, that's my, I want us to start something, like, in middle schools, starting there. We're just reactive. We're not proactive. So we react to these situations, and then it becomes me versus you versus us as a team. I mean, I, I don't think myself as like a, a necessarily a terrible communicator. I do think something happens when you have that love hormone in your body, that chemical, and it doesn't matter how smart you think you are. We've all seen smart friends be in love and make terrible decisions. Oh, yeah. You know? All the time. That's why we're able to do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think the hardest thing to say, like – one of the things I'm working on now is discernment. When you meet someone, being able to discern mm -hmm. what is right, what is wrong, early on enough where you can cut it if you need to. Yes. Or at least discuss it if you need to. Yes. You know? Absolutely. I'll be honest. As, as a guy, you know, generally we do the chasing. And, and we are the ones that have to come out. You know, 
present ourselves in the way. I'm not saying it's always like this, but like whatever way I was brought up. But you know, my my notion is that guys have to do stuff to make someone like them, and I think that that bringing up conversations has this fear. And I'll, I'm just being really honest and clear here. Like, yeah, this fear is if I tell you something that you're going to want to leave. Mm, really? Because women have the same fear. Well, I'm glad that you do, but I think for guys, there's this question of like, we 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 have to somehow sell sometimes. And I'm not saying in a bad way. Like, I think it's good to be like be on your best behavior and like you know really put yourself out there. But I have no problem doing that. I just, I do think there's this notion of like, you know, everyone has their like deal breaker list, and you do one thing wrong, and people snap you out, right? And look, that that's unfortunately part of modern dating. But like, I think one of the fears that I personally can say I like, you know I, I want to work on is like how do I tell someone that I care about that what they're doing isn't okay without the fear that they're going to leave but I have to say this and this is my last thought on this whole scenario if two people in a relationship define what commitment means to them then these conversations would be a lot easier to have because if both people are committed that both people want to work on these things you know and it, do, it doesn't even if you're trying, if it sounds like you're attacking me, if I already gave my commitment to this relationship, then I would tell you that I feel attacked and I want to have a conversation, talk about how that makes me feel and how that makes you feel. And then it becomes a conversation, not so much like, oh, I feel attacked and I'm going to leave. So I still think that what was really lacking from the beginning was this verbal communication of what commitment means to both of you. Mm. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay, question of the day. This one comes from David, who says, how many drinks should you have on a date? <laughs> yes, I one, you should never have more drinks than the other person. <laughs> and I think two is probably the max. Two, two max, okay. And the reason is for a couple things. One, you want to get to know them and not get to know the drunk them. Uh-huh. It's two different people. And and two, drinks and that stuff are really expensive. You can't be shoveling down 100 bucks on a drink. <laughs> so that's just like not – it's not sustainable. It's expensive. Uh, it's, it's barely expensive. But but also in three, it's, it's – I think what are you going to hide behind when if you're going to be drinking that much? Like you're not going to be yourself even. So I have this question. I, I, I recently had this dilemma. I just recently came back. I went on this date that was like eight hours, and we were having a really good time. And the whole time I was like trying to fight back not drinking because I was like on all these uh, like cold medication. <laughs> like I probably shouldn't be drinking with cold medication. But then I was like, I really want to keep talking to him. It's cold outside. I'm not going to be walking. It's at night. So the only place we can really go to is a bar and sit there and talk or go to his place or my place, which I'm not going to do on a first date. So when you're sitting at a bar, it's really awkward to just sit there and not drink. What do you do? I've become a huge fan of ginger beer. I, I, I agree with you that our society creates an awkwardness for being at a bar and not drinking. People are like, why aren't you drinking? What's up, bro? Yeah. Um, and I, I just do it. I, I say two things. I say... One, I got to work out in the morning. I used to always say that, and people immediately somehow accept that, which usually it actually is true. I do have a workout in the morning. But, <laughs> um, but two, just having a ginger beer, I think, kind of lets people off the hook, you know, where you can enjoy 
notion of drinking because sharing food together is a great thing. Sharing something together like that brings you closer. But um, you can just order something that's you know not alcoholic. For me, I have a I think like our guest or our guest and well the guest is going to learn and our listeners know from me is I say zero. I for me. Yeah, absolutely. I want to be as present as I can be so I can be there completely with the person. And I rather do the harder work now than later. Mm. So if, because it, you know, people like to call it liquid courage. And that's cool, but I rather work harder now at the beginning so that I can genuinely find the connection with the person. And then it's so much easier from that point. And that, and I'd rather experience a person as they are and learn about that earlier than later. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, let um, me ask, can I, can I ask you this? You're damn right you can. Do you think that being that sober that you are able to go in for that first kiss? <laughs> sober first kiss, sober first kiss, sober first kiss. So, I mean, I probably only had one or two, well, maybe a couple of first kisses. <laughs> But out of the many first kisses, like 95% of them have been sober. And I'm telling you, it's just, I can see it in the woman's eyes when she's ready for that moment because I'm connected to her. At least that's how I feel. I feel that I can see it when she's ready for it and I could just go on and it's great. And I've had the weirdest, I remember one of my first, uh, a first kiss that I had was, we were walking at Golden Gate Park, and we're walking along this, like, river stream thing. I don't know. There's, like, waterfalls there, and there's, like, these rocks. So we're walking across the rocks, and she she misstepped and fell into the grossest, most disgusting part oh, of the whole waterfall thing, and it, 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 she just stunk. Ugh. So I, I, pull, I pull her out. She's dripping wet. She's all nervous. We're laughing. And I literally just pull her out, and she looks at me, and I look at her, and I knew it. And we had our first kiss right there. Oh. <laughs> and then I told her that she smelled really bad, but that was a great first kiss. That's, that's, was... that's mad skills. That mad skills. So the trick is push them into the waterfall. Right. And then pull them out. <laughs> I remember that. And then get, a, then get a ginger beer. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Yeah. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for sharing your story. That was awesome. That was like a great story to talk thank about. You for having me. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much, man. And listeners at home, don't forget to submit your stories. And remember, we can always keep you anonymous. We can change your name, change your voice, change the names of the people in your story. Um, we want to protect your identity. And last but not least, stay dateable. Looking for a great sober date idea? Try Scoot. Get some perspective by riding up to Twin Peaks or Bernal Heights for a great view and the wind in your hair. Join Scoot with a significant other and explore the city. Sharing new experiences together is a great way to grow your relationship. Scoot offers electric mopeds and mini cars, so you can each have your own or share a Scoot quad. Dateable listeners get a special deal, $10 for three hours of scooting. Sign up at scoot.co forward slash dateable or use the code hotdate. To connect with us, visit dateablepodcast.com.